the Ultimate Film Review. I'm John. I'm Jake. And uh, thank you for joining us. We are back after a little bit of a hiatus. Yeah. Um, but we're here. It's a new year. And the last time you heard from us, we were discussing The Ottoman Lieutenant. Oh, God. Which is certainly a classic. Oh. Will be enjoyed for many years to come. <laughs> but now we're pushing on to a brighter and better future <laughs> with Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon mm. City. Which is actually the most recently released movie that we're going to be covering on this podcast. Interesting. Right, yeah, right now it's March of 2022, and this came out in November of 2021, okay. so less than half a year ago. I'm trying to get contemporary, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> trying to catch up with the times. <laughs> Bringing the current crowd. Yeah. All the Zoomers out there watching. <laughs> Welcome to Raccoon City. Oh, I hope not too many, but. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them, at least. Probably mostly older folks. Like ourselves. Like ourselves, <laughs> yeah, elderly and from individuals. Yes. But uh, Welcome to Raccoon City was directed and written by Johannes Robert. Probably the only other thing I've heard that he's done is 47 Meters Down. Never seen it. Some shark movie, like similar to Jaws, I believe. Oh, okay. A creature feature. So well. he's very original. <laughs> yes. And he that, goes where no one's gone before, I think. That definitely shows in this movie, too. Um, yeah. Well, I guess it, it should be mentioned that these aren't the first Resident Evil films. Okay, we can start there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There so, was a series of six of them. Six, yeah. That came out before, written, directed by Paul W. Sanderson, or he did the bulk of it, at yep. least. And his uh, wife starred in them. Jovich. Right. It's the character of Alice. Alice. Yes. Who I found out doesn't actually exist in the games. I no, mean, no, yeah, not at so, all. Yeah, and um, those, those there's six of them. There's, I, I thought I would be able to name them all, but this was Resident Evil, then there's Apocalypse, Extinction, Afterlife. Final Chapter. Final Chapter is the last one. Retribution. Retribution. Yeah. I haven't seen it, but I know. Yes. Well, you, you have seen all six I've of these I've seen all movies. six of them multiple times. Um, and uh, I've seen the first three. I kind of gave up after that third one in particular. Yeah. I mostly watched the first two to see how they would handle the stuff from the games, which largely they didn't. didn't. Yeah. And they that's d- kind of the chief complaint for, I know, a lot of the fans of the Resident Evil game series, is that those movies have very little to nothing at all to do with the movies. Yeah, they just what, took some characters, took the idea of zombies, and yeah, an Umbrella Corporation, I guess. Would, right. Yeah. And then um, use it for their own devices, kind of tell their yeah. own story with that stuff. Yeah. So, comparatively speaking, I guess, having not played the first one, but been hanging out with you for the past, what, 24 years of our lives, that right. I, I would say that this Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, released in 21, is the closest to an adaptation of the storyline of the games. Definitely. Um, and definitely has more of a horror vibe. Um, to it. I mean, I don't know if I would really consider Resident Evil, like, maybe the first one would be a horror film, but, like, they're more action adventure with zombies, like, kind of, there's, you know, and yeah. then what kind of mutated, you know, boss are we going to see at the end of this film, kind of right. thing, like, they have a video game-like feel to them, the way they progress, because there's always a boss, big boss at the end, um, but other than that, yeah, I, I, I appreciate this Welcome to Raccoon City more for the horror aspects of it. The, you know, the, the tone of it. Tonally, it's definitely mm. darker. It's not like, you know, a video game playthrough, so to speak. Yeah. There's, or it is in some ways, but it's not 
couple of yeah, senses. in a couple of senses. Right, but yeah. not to that bombastic quality that the Paul W. Sanderson series took to it. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. it's like very much indulging in those aspects. Yeah, the only the only time this movie indulged in those aspects would probably be when the helicopter crashed into the mansion, and then when um, Chris Redfield is like lighting his lighter to try and like find his way through this dark room, and like they do a first person shot of like the lighter, and yes. it's like kind of corny. It's it, it's like and it's almost as bad graphically done as Dune was in my opinion. Like if you've seen um, Dune the movies, oh right, yeah, like that, like the one they, with the rock, yeah, right? the one with the rock, like it goes first. I person. haven't seen them forever. Yeah. I forgot that movie existed. So that's until what, you mentioned it just now. Jeez, <laughs> that's what that felt like to me when he was holding the lighter and the zombies were coming at him in this darkened room. Yeah, like, they have that like, first person shooter segment. Right? Yeah. Which was awful, in my opinion. I just hate it. Like you say, it was awful. But uh, one of my older cousins saw that movie in the theaters, and he said people started cheering when that section happened. Like the, everyone went wild for it at the yeah, time. Well, I guess because no one had probably really tried anything like that. Yeah. Before. Yeah, I guess. I guess that also just goes to show that the decline has started already. Like a long time ago, it's like you know <laughs> we're in the throes of it now, boy. Yeah, we think it's like, starting. Oh, new every day. Yeah, <laughs> really. It's, it's it's been a long running degeneration. Yeah, I mean, what you said, people cheered when you saw a civil war. Yeah, when uh, you know what was it, the Brooklyn Queens, and everyone was like, "Whoa!" Right. Like, yeah. That moment in Civil War where all the <laughs> heroes fight each other in the airport, and yeah. Spider Man and Captain America have a moment. Captain America bests him and goes like, "Oh, you're pretty good, kid. Where are you from?" He goes, uh, uh, "Uh, Queens." He's like, "Huh, Brooklyn," and walks off. And I was watching it in a theater in Brooklyn, and this crowd went wild. Like everybody started cheering. I was like, "Let's go!" Some guy in the front of the theater stood up and turned around and started raising the roof, and people started cheering more. It's the only oh. time I've ever seen something like that happen in my life where someone raised the roof and it actually worked. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, it's just sad, you know, when, you know, whatever. So, I mean, if people were cheering during Dune, I certainly was not cheering during this lighter scene. Let's just put it that way. Um, <laughs> um, I was like, oh man, are they going to like kill Chris off in the first one? Is this how it's going to happen? Which did lead to, I think, and I agree with you, the best scene in the movie. Which is mm-hmm. when, he, when he gets mauled. Or no, that, that, that the that, mauling yeah, preceded that, it. Right. My apologies. Yeah, I'll let you talk about that. But um, yeah, sure. no, I was just not. Well, I guess, should we get into the plot? Yeah, let's do the plot. This movie. This little, yeah. So this, this movie is trying to basically tell the stories of Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2, both games in one packet. It takes place in 1998 in the fictional Raccoon City, which is this. In this movie, it's basically like a company town. Like a Pullman, Indiana, a town that was specifically made by a corporation for the workers of that company to and their families to live there mm-hmm. and work at the adjacent plant to it. Um, but now, uh, Umbrella Corporation is basically they're moving out of town. And the city is dead and throes of decay. It's on its way out. Very few people live there, and most of them, who, as they say in the movie, who stay are too poor to leave. Yes. Right. Yeah. And the cops on the, you know, so. Yeah, you got your cops that are sticking around for the, you know, the leaving. Yeah. Um, we're assuming that, you know, all the higher-ups at, at um, <clears throat> Umbrella were already out. Right. Except for Dr. William Birkin. Yeah. Right, who's, I guess, he's the chief antagonist of this film. Uh-huh. Um, he's basically, like, the representation of the Umbrella Corporation, I'd say. Yeah. And the, the movie begins with um, him running this orphanage. Where um, one of two of our main characters are staying at as children, Claire and Chris Redfield, mm-hmm. 
they're orphans at the uh, Umbrella or Raccoon City orphanage run by Umbrella William Birkins there. Claire Redfield meets a very interesting individual, Lisa Trevor, who is a character from the first game, but we're going to talk about this as it goes on. There's a lot of, this movie's very jumbled around with its ideas, particularly in trying to throw these two plots together. I don't know if she ties in, but Claire meets her, and they become friends, I guess, in some way, before eventually Claire is taken back to her room away from her. And then we cut to the present day, where now Claire Redfield is in a truck going to Raccoon City. Yeah. So the present day is ninety eight. The, mm-hmm. the the when the movie starts, it's probably like, like eighteen years ago yeah. or fifteen years ago, something, something like something that. Because like yeah. I say Claire and Chris are both in their like mid twenties. Yeah, movie. and they were like ten, eleven ish. Yeah, when we saw them. Maybe a little younger. Maybe eight, nine. Right. Like no, no younger than eight. I wouldn't think. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. So Claire's hitchhiking she hitchhiked a ride in this truck and this guy is being weird and of course she's got a doberman so as you said it's yeah. always got to be a doberman it's always a doberman and paul w.s anderson used dobermans in his that's uh, right yeah, in afterlife um which i think the, the 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 cg on some of the parts was actually better and that predates like that was like eight nine years ago i think afterlife came out so mm-hmm. it's interesting to kind of compare when this doberman goes um zombie versus when <laughs> paul right. w.s anderson's goes on and it's like hmm. well what did we say the budget of this film was about 25 million yeah and then what you said around about to 40 if you include well in, yeah I was probably around there in terms okay. of the advertising and stuff like that and it ended up making about 42 million okay. so it's somewhere around the break even point maybe it made a little maybe it lost a little for Sony but. yeah um, sorry we were going with the plot I just I just wasn't impressed with the CG in this movie at all and like I felt like if they were going to do a reboot that was trying to be honest, that they could have really had an inroad with fans who have been playing the game for years. It's a large portion of the gaming population has at least brushed up against Resident Evil in some way, shape, or form. So yeah. I played 4, 5, 6, and 7 now, all the way through. And, like, 5 was fun only if you have a partner. Like, only if you've got somebody to play with, 5 is fun. 6 is a, a shit show, in my opinion. 6 is just way too long. That's yeah. part of the problem. It's twice as long as it should be, easily. Yeah, and, like, it's just not fun, in yeah. my opinion. But then 7 got back to the roots of it. You know, what kind right. of hooked people in the first place, in my yep. opinion. And, like, I just would have figured that the computer animation, especially coming from a Sony production, I mean, Sony put its name on it. You know, I Sony's, know. like, both a, le- a, a leader in music, um, video, like video, and, like... And film. And film. And it also was a technolo- it's, it's, it's a technological behemoth. It produces DVD player or now Blu-ray players, TVs. Produces Blu-ray discs. Yeah, I mean computers. Computers. computers so you would phones. think that they wouldn't they wouldn't skimp on the, the CGI, but I wasn't impressed. No, they don't want to put a lot of money into this movie. I think they were saving that for probably Venom or Spider-Man. <laughs> yeah, I mean Spider-Man. That most recent one has blown everything out of the water thus far, right? Yeah, it really has. Yeah, I think in you know unadjusted for inflation, it's the third highest grossing film now. I know it recently grossed eight hundred million in the U.S. domestic box office, and it's close to two billion worldwide. So oh, it's blowing God. everything out of the water. Yeah, it's given a lot of people hope for you know the post-pandemic box office and stuff. And it's gotten some people to go back to the theaters who probably wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah, there's a lot of that's the movie's a very unique case. Yeah, I mean and that also that movie is spanning generations of. That, the, like, yeah, that's yeah. why so you're gonna draw forty-five-year-olds and lower. Right, like anyone. You got the people who like 
McGuire, the people like Garfield, the people like Holland, they're all coming there for the yeah. same movie. And then you got the, you know, that point zero zero five percent who are there for uh, Doctor Strange, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's right. That that, <laughs> that, uh, yeah. that is shrinked considerably. That point zero five after Power of the Dog came. Oh I'm sure. yeah, I'm sure Power of the Dog shit. I'm sorry. Yeah. What did I just say? <laughs> right. Let's go Coda, bro. Anyway. Dune, my, my Dune cleaning up. All right, we, we can't go there because, yeah. yeah, it's a rabbit hole. Anyway, no one cares about no the Academy Awards anyway. Yeah. No, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I'm probably there are more people listening to this podcast than uh, watching <laughs> the Academy Awards. <laughs> right. Anyway, um, uh, yeah, so Claire's in this truck. She's about to get groped by this guy. You know, we know where this is going, and they smash into this woman who just happens to be walking across the road. Right. Not a great, um, you know, inside-outside shot of her getting, like, pancaked to the to the grill of this of this semi and then going flying in the road like that was cool gotta give him credit on that one that that body throw was awesome you know i was like oh shit okay like when i first saw it i was like all right wait we might be cooking might be going somewhere lo and behold we do not but they got out to check they get a chance of disappearing the doberman of course starts uh licking the pool of blood that was left behind from her and um you know claire looks into the woods and then we cut to the title resident evil in black font I thought that was a pretty cool choice. I like how that that felt like the games definitely where like the title you, comes up ten minutes in. Yeah, you get a little like you go into it a little bit. And then, yeah, you know, all right. Which is, I mean, this movie just they really it's the complete opposite of the Paul W. Sanderson films. Like they throw in as many references as possible. It's, it's it's way too indulgent. It almost feels like pandering at times. But sometimes, and I'll point out the times, it's good. And yeah, I think one of, that's the time where it's good. I think the beginning of this film. Is, is pretty solid yeah. actually like the first 10 15 minutes yeah i would agree with that and, yeah and, and you know it's not it's not um you know bad ro- uh, bad robot over here so pandering isn't too much of an issue <laughs> right sorry abrams yeah abrams we know you're a fan ultimate yeah. panderer yeah yeah like, <laughs> yeah you want to you want to you want to watch you want to see pandering go watch uh rise of skywalker we'll talk pandering but um <laughs> yeah so after that uh, claire grows to her brother's house we don't know how she knows where he lives now because they haven't been in contact in years, apparently. So that's right. kind of just, you know, whatever. She picks the lock, gets in, going through his shit, and um, Chris walks in. We're introduced to Chris Redfield. Yeah, and he's not face at all. <laughs> She's in his house. He's just like, oh, what are you doing here? They talk. She starts, uh, she gives this information to him that basically she's in league with this conspiracist who yeah. ends up being right uh, this local guy in raccoon city who says that umbrella is poisoning the water supply that they had an accidental leak of some sort of virus into the water and uh, now everybody in raccoon city is infected but chris doesn't really buy this because there's this narrative they both grew up in the umbrella um orphanage yep. and claire rebelled from that lifestyle and went off on her own but Chris doesn't care he's he's in, he likes Umbrella he believes that they're good they gave him a future by helping him through the orphanage and stuff like that so he's hesitant to uh, believe her claims at all yeah and it's it's interesting that she was going to get experimented on when she ran away like right. she knew that something wasn't right like hold up and she broke away and ran away Chris doesn't. Chris kind of gets a almost like a pseudo adopted by the doctor guy and like yeah, put through school, which isn't like, really fleshed out. It's just yeah, mentioned it's just here at the beginning. And um, there's a picture of Chris at like his graduation yeah. with um, Doctor Birkin there yeah. standing next like, to him, like with his hand on his shoulder. So right. it's like it's insinuated that Umbrella Corporation raised him and kind of like gave him a second chance. 
So yeah. it is plausible with everything going on around Chris, and he's on a special tactical unit for the police. It is plausible that he would kind of have blinders and wouldn't and wouldn't put two and two together. Yeah. Whereas his sister is like, "Yo, watch this videotape." You would also have to assume that she never told him that they attempted to experiment on her. Yeah, you or, to, yeah. yeah. You would have to. I believe we are supposed to think that the last time they saw one another was when she left the orphanage. Okay, so I think it was like that's fifteen years. Yeah, ago, he's man. like I haven't, you know, I haven't seen you years. You never call, you never show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I believe that's what we're supposed to think. I could be mistaken. So they haven't been in contact. So she wasn't ever able to tell, like, oh, yo, they were taking me to this like weird room, like, gonna, like inject me with shit, and like, yeah. So what? The, this is the G virus, correct? I think this is the T virus. Okay. Yeah. That is the one that gets spread, and the one that Birkin was working on is okay. the G virus. Okay. Right. Yeah, because that's like also in the first game they have two different viruses in between the two games. In the first game, it's the T virus that breaks out at the mansion. Mm-hmm. In the second game, it's the G virus that breaks out in the city. Okay. Through the rats, basically like a plague-like thing that okay. happens. Yeah. So. Um... But anyway, he gets called into work, so he just basically leaves her there, and he says, you know hang around grab something to eat and then go on your way yeah like I don't want to see you <laughs> don't touch my bike yeah which of is an course. invitation to steal a bike we did skip over one part which is oh, the that? first introduction to Leon that's um, true so that's we true. can go back one part and then we can because we've been on tangents here for our oh, first yeah. time back we need to kind of <clears throat> smooth out the edges but groove. yes um uh the, the stars alpha team is chilling in a local Diner, diner right. and to beat uh, you know beat cops um, regular uniform come in make fun of Leon who's asleep at the at the like the bar top area to the diner yeah Leon's a rookie yeah he's rookie first he's day on the job just out of the academy yeah and sometime in the academy he shot his partner in the ass yep. by accident yep <laughs> and they make fun of him for it right and then um the waitress asks him like did you really shoot your partner and he's like yeah but it's like it's it's not just that simple and just shoot my partner in the ass and her eye starts to bleed and he's like what's what's up with your eye and she touches it she's like oh you know probably nothing it's been happening for the past couple weeks and he's like shouldn't you see someone about that and she's like see who like right on insurance and walks away (laughs) and like he's like all right that's weird and and this is the moment where that cgi raven or crow crashes into a window and he goes outside to check it outside the diner in the rain and you're talking about how bad the cgi is in this movie i think it was only i didn't find it distracting because it only was like four or five times at most i was like that's terrible cgi (laughs) yeah but this is the first instance of that yeah this crow looks like a origami black piece of origami paper with like what would be feathers but look more like black snowflakes coming out of it yeah like, because it's trying to imitate the wetness of the feathers but like it was just bad and it's <laughs> and it dies and it's just like no like please no like i think it's the way it uh, you know contorts its body yeah it and it kind of cringes in on itself it just does not look natural <laughs> at all yeah it's not good do you think this is better than the crows and resident evil afterlife <laughs> i mean <laughs> no, I think the crows and Resident Evil Afterlife are better. I think it's atrocious that Alice got telekinesis, but was able you know, to burn them with yeah, her mind. She burns them with her mind. Like that was nuts. But yeah, no, those crows that were like feasting on the dead corpses and had the great over eyes, and then like yeah, no, those were 
better than this, in my opinion. Yeah. Like, yeah. Granted, it wasn't raining in the middle of Arizona or the fuck they were when that happened, but... Right. Um, or, like, the whole world was a desert in that movie. Yeah. For apparently it to not be, like, a movie later. <laughs> yeah, the T-virus apparently, like, mutated and just, like, took out all living things. Right. Like, they just started just... So, like... They were trying to give that movie, like, a pseudo-Mad Max feel. Yeah, again, moving away from the horror and more towards, towards the, the action, action adventure. adventure. Yeah, like, and that's... Again, why I appreciate this movie, I think, more than those six, because it's actually trying to be horror. Okay. You know, right. No yeah, I mean, especially <laughs> in this beginning section, it's trying to build the dread yeah. a lot. I think there's a lot of that in the build-up. You know, the crow may not look convincing, but it's kind of like good imagery of birds flying into the window. You know, something is amiss with nature, something's amiss with people in this town. Yeah, too. yeah. Just combined with a lady bleeding, bleeding out of her eye or... The woman who gets hit by the truck in the beginning. Yeah, so we have those two instances, and then um, Claire looks over at the neighbor's house through Chris's door, and, like, the neighbors look all screwed up. Yeah, like, their hair is falling out, yeah. and they look really pale, and looks like their skin is sagging off. Yeah, if you've seen The Strain on FX by Guillermo del Toro, the, mm-hmm. like, the, the initial changes of people from people into the, the vampires, essentially what they are. Um it's very similar to that. That's what they look like. They're very bad. Makeup design and all that. And that's kind of the comparison I would draw. Yeah. Um, that. Uh, but, and that looked good to me. I like that. She was bleeding out of her eyes. And she like comes over to Chris's house and like writes on the, the glass door. <laughs> Itchy, Itchy tasty. tasty. Yeah. Which is, uh, again, another reference to the games where you find in the, in the mansion in the first game, um, like a doctor or umbrella who accidentally became exposed to the virus like recording in his journal and then like the last century is itchy tasty so it's but it's very out of context where she just writes it's in a, blood itchy yeah. tasty on the window yeah and then like walks away yeah again fan service just for the fans if you didn't know that you'd be like what does that mean? <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah I, I had no idea um and then you know the front door bursts open and a little kid runs in which we're assuming is the um Again, a creepy moment. In terms yeah. of, like, actual scare, it's the only... When I was watching this movie the first time, it's the only part that spooked me. It's, like, when the kid runs in and then she bursts through the door. Yeah. Like, through the glass door. Yeah. You know, it's crashing down. It's like, whoa! I jumped out of my chair a little bit when yeah. I saw that. So that's when it's like that... Yeah, like, you don't you don't really get that from any other Resident Evils mm-hmm. from Anderson, except for, like, maybe the first one. Right. Like, Alice wakes up and doesn't know what the fuck's happening in the mansion. But, um... Claire is able to get out of there. Yeah, without getting bitten, without getting scratched. She pieces, of course, takes, takes Chris, the motor, takes the bike. Yeah, yeah. Don't yeah, touch the bike. Yeah, don't touch the bike. Meanwhile, Leon, Chris, and the rest of the Stars team is at the police station in mm-hmm. Raccoon City. The chief, Brian Irons, calls them all in. So everybody except for Leon. Leon wanders his in anyway. <laughs> but uh, he basically says that the other Stars team has gone missing. That he wants Star's Alpha team to go into the mountains, um, to the mansion, to find where they last were. And Leon gets yelled at because he's, he's supposed to be working the front desk. At this right. point, um, there was a cutscene to the to the uh, trucker who like goes to pet his dog. His dog is now infected. His dog bites his hand. Right, the dog is now licking the yeah, pool, licking blood. A pool of blood got infected. So now he's infected, and he comes barreling down what I can only assume is Main Street in Raccoon City. Yeah, um, or yeah. Raccoon City. City's such a such an over like it, it, it defaces the, the the noun city to use it to describe what this shanty basically shanty town built around a 
Right. You know, I, mean, I think it hits like the population quota per capita, just like one person over to be incorporated as a city. Yeah, basically, it's like so, it's city in name only. Yeah, which I mean, and that was like you you said last night. They were like, "Oh, screw it, we're not even gonna film in the city. We're just gonna CG this shit." Yeah, and they did, and then they shot it in like a small town somewhere. It's like right. what it looks like. And you can kind of tell that this was a movie filmed during COVID a little bit, or a lot of it was, especially like in the police department. There's no other cops there except for the chief, Leon, and the stars team. And yeah. that's it. You'd think there'd be more like, people. Yeah, we had. So. We were introduced to at least two more in the beginning. Right. Like, so you know, where are they? Are they? Did they get the word to get out? You know, who mm-hmm. knows? But the truck driver comes barreling down. He's infected. Can't keep a good grip on his rig. And yeah. Ends up barreling over. There's a massive explosion outside, right outside the front doors of the police station. Yep. Leon's sitting at the front desk and doesn't notice it. Doesn't yeah. notice this explosion. He's, he's got the doors open, too. Yeah, and he's just blasting music and yep. it's from his Walkman or his CD player or whatever. And he's got the headphones. And then one of my top moments from this movie happens where this the truck driver, who's completely set ablaze, just staggers in, slowly <laughs> trudging towards the desk as the music that Leon's listening to, the song Crush, just starts blasting in terms of the audio. And it's just this amazing little moment where this guy is just slowly walking through this police station on fire before getting shot. Yep. And it, it, it sticks out. I mean, that's something, there's very little about this movie that sticks out. I forgot a lot before I watched it the second time last night. But that one moment when I watched it a few months ago, I just think about it randomly. When I'm just going to day-to-day activities, I'll just think about this guy slowly walking on fire while Crush is playing in the background. There's the sparks of originality throughout yeah. this movie that I, I love, and I wish there was more of it. Yeah. That's one of them. I kind of wish there was more money behind the two, because you can tell that he's like a CG guy walking. Like, you can tell, because what they mm-hmm. do is, he gets shot, boom, he's out of the scene now, and it cuts back. It's like, oh, Leon, go lock the gates, there might be more of them. Also, you might want to grab a fire extinguisher. And, like, he pieces out, and Leon's like, what the fuck is happening? So he grabs a fire extinguisher, and now the guy who's walking through on fire is back in the scene and is very clearly a dummy on fire. Right. Like, very clearly, and it's like, okay, that looks good. Yeah. Right? But the, you said there were only about five bad CG moments. We've just passed our second, the explosion of the, the, the oil oh, tanker yeah. was gross. There's two explosions in this movie, and both of them are severely it's, lacking. Yes. I think it's the basic explosion effect you get in Final Cut Pro. Just put it in front of a green screen and there yeah, it is. Yeah, it's just not good. We find out that all phone lines have been cut in Raccoon City and it leads to probably my favorite scene in the movie with the chief telling Leon, you're in charge, peace, I'm out of here. Yo, leaves. And leaves. <laughs> Leon's like, well, I'm screwed. And the Star's Alpha team is on its way out to find Bravo and he pulls up to a umbrella checkpoint. And they're like, city's closed, sorry, can't get out. These people are like, yo, you gotta let us leave. Yeah. And then they just open fire on, on the whole caravan of cars that are waiting to leave Raccoon City. Yeah, which, and, um, what's the song? It's by Journey, this one. Oh, yeah. Blasting, um, the, any way you want it, yeah. is blasting on the radio. That's the As he's frantically yeah, just trying to drive away. Yeah, it was awesome, it was great. Like, the windows yeah. are popping, like, they're, you know, shells hitting off the front of the car. And, you know, he gets away, gets back to the police station, he's like, all right, Gotta get on the horn to Alpha Team, get that helicopter back here, because we're not making it out of here if we don't leave. He knows that something's going down, and he knows they need to get out, but it's actually Wesker who knows what time shit's happening. Right. 6 a.m., that nuke is going off. Tactical nuclear device. Wesker has um, gotten a message on his Palm Pilot from a, a secret organization that he's working for. 
and they have a job for him to do, but they tell him that uh, before he completes the job that he's going to have to get out. Or after he completes the job, he's going to have to get out because the city, there's a nuke being dropped on it at 6 a.m. in the morning because I guess the word's gotten out that everybody in this town is affected. affected. Yeah. So, so that's the only way to think to deal with it. So it puts a ticking clock element for the film. Now everyone has like four hours yeah. to get out of the city, basically. And then we have that like... So a little after midnight. That we had that like the twenty four moments at the end when it was like four eighteen, yeah, four thirty seven. It's like yeah, because you'll see these title cards where it's midnight, one a.m., yeah, two a.m. Yeah, but then yeah, as it gets closer to six, it's, like, it's starting yeah. <laughs> four twenty three, yeah, five ten, yeah, five seventeen. Yeah, right? it's like I'm there. So <laughs> Alpha Team finds Bravo Team's down Chopper. Yep, and in the mountains, in the mountains near the mansion, and they had heard that there were bodies up at the mansion from two beat officers in the beginning of the story, so they're like, let's go check that out. Right. Because we can't find anyone. So they land, they check the rubble, and then they follow what they think was Bravo Team's, like, trail. Yes. And it leads them to, you know, the mansion. Yeah. Right. So they're like, oh shit, those guys, there are dead bodies here before. Our team was going there. What's going on here? We need to check this shit out. No one else on the team knows that Wesker's there for an ulterior motive to grab the G the G virus. I believe is what he's supposed to right, take. Right, what he's tasked with yeah. getting. Yeah, yeah. Which is in a lab that's underneath um, the Spencer Mansion somewhere. Yeah. So at this point in time, um, we have Doctor Birkin. Birkin. Thank you. Uh, he was fleeing the city with his wife and child. Right. He got word from Umbrella that it's going down. But he, um, they, they're planning, I guess, destroying the whole city, which would take his G-virus with it. Yeah. And he wants to get to his virus because, as he puts it, it's his life's legacy. work. Yep. It's his legacy. Um, there is, like, that's... He's in the beginning of the movie. You see him at the orphanage. You see him with his family once. Then he's on the road. He runs into Claire, or almost runs into her. Claire. Uh, while her. They instantly recognize each other. She has a motorcycle helmet on. She flips up the visor on it, and they, they stare down each other. They haven't seen each other in presumably over 15 years as well, but they, they just know. Yeah, I mean, I know, know Claire could know, but how could he right. like, I don't know. And then he drives off with his family to go get, and he's not in the movie for the entire second act after that. He's not in the movie until, like, the very end, which, you know, when we talked about him a little bit earlier, I said he's basically the representation for Umbrella in this movie, so it's a big missed opportunity to not have him in the entire second section of the film. Not only that, but the guy who plays him, Neil McDonough, he's one of those good character actors, been in a ton of stuff, usually as a bad guy. This guy who can choose some scenery, you know? So give him a couple of scenes to let him work out. Yeah, I mean, he's always cast, I think, as a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah, because that final scene where he was the monster, I did enjoy him, like, just basically, like, teasing Chris and being a jerk about it. They gave him a little something to do. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that, so, so, so Alpha Team goes into the mansion, fights some zombies. They they do recreate the scene from the first game where they run into the first zombie, which is like an umbrella scientist who's now been zombified, and he's feasting on somebody, and they're like, oh, get away, and he slowly looks around and turns around, which, uh, is bad fan service, not gonna lie, because the reason that moment lands in the first game is because the first time you see a zombie. But by this point in the film, we've seen like tons of zombies, so that moment kind of loses its meaning, even though it's pretty much a one-to-one recreation of the scene. I I, I thought that was, I think that they'd been CGing the blood through most of it, and on that That shot they did, and and that was, I I actually love that turn, because I had never played the first one, and... 
It was really it was cool. Re- it was, yeah. So it still had the effect for you then? Yes, it still had the okay. effect for me. Because, That's good. Yeah, um, because it looked like straight off The Walking Dead. You know, well, you remarked like, last night when we watched it, you said that that guy, that specific zombie, was way better makeup than any other zombie in the entire movie. Like, yes. they got the Walking Dead crew for him <laughs> and then some other B team for everyone else. That's what, yeah, that's what I said. Like, they definitely had some, you know, because that one was amazing. And I get it. Like, it's COVID, so you can't have a billion zombies mm-hmm. in makeup because, you know. Right. But I don't know, man. If it's a story worth telling, then you just, you wait. You know, Sony yeah. bites the bullet on, you know, I'm sorry, Sony can't bite the bullet on $40 million. I know. Like, you can. Know. You can bite the bullet on. Yes, you yeah. can, Sony. And Do you a, hear me? It's especially, like, after, I know this is a new series, but especially, they made six of those previous ones. Yeah. They made money off of them. Like, put a little bit into this. Yeah. Come on. Like, I know, especially, like, you, you're trying to make efforts to do it right, quote, unquote, in other ways, even if those effort or like those attempts aren't necessarily successful that's one of the most important ways you missed out on making it better i think Uh, yeah but like if you double this budget i see being completely different there's a lot of really good location work in this like i love the lobby of the police station yeah like the ornate statue good cg (laughs) really good cg in that scene but then you have the scene where they brief um, where Irons briefs the stars team in like the meeting room, and it looks like a trailer at a construction site. It looks like they filmed in there, or you know his room with the shitty wood paneling. Yes, they look like they're completely different locations of what the lobby of the police station ensues. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, that, yeah. There's all these like when you actually kind of examine, there's all these ways that you can see that they cheaped out. They don't do a good job of masking it, which is kind of unfortunate. Agreed. And. I, I, there, the director wants to do a second one. Yeah, he's um, talked about it. He wants to do like a Code Veronica movie. But like, I'd love to see it with uh, just like an eighty million dollar budget. Like we all know, horror movies in general are cheap yeah. to make. That's why there's so much garbage out there. But this is like a it's legacy like, franchise. This is that's something that's, that's worth putting that kind that, of love. Now, into. am I mistaken? Resident Evil One. What platforms was it released on initially? The PlayStation 1 and the Sega Saturn. Okay. So there was no Nintendo, no Microsoft release, essentially, or they didn't exist at the time. Nintendo got Resident Evil 2, but never got Resident Evil 1. Not until the GameCube, at least. And they got a remake. It's pretty much the remake's been on every system, but when it originally released, it's PS1 Saturn. Okay, so a flagship for your gaming console... Yeah. You can't give it its due. Like I, I, I hadn't thought about this until right. just now, but now it makes like I'm actually angry because it's like you have a you have a, you have a chance to to tell the game the story of the game right, and we're in 2021 where computer generation. I mean, I can't tell the difference between Mark Hamill in uh, Book of Boba Fett and Mark Hamill in Empire. Like I mean, I can. But it, it's so infinitesimal. It's more, right. as you said, the voice, the 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 whatever the AI, AI is doing with the voice, voice yeah. with his lips. It's not matching exactly as it should. But mm. you know, whatever. Like you have, you can, you know, but you, you can, can explode a truck. You can set a dude on fire. Like yeah. that's like things you can do. Right. And I just they flipped a truck in the Dark Knight. If you recall, yeah. That movie. I mean, very that famous was, stunt. Yeah. But you can do stuff like that. Yeah. Know? And I and you're Sony. Like you can't tell me. You don't right. have the money. Like, it's just... Yeah. I don't know. Anyway, sorry. That was just a little side rant there. It's just like, wow. Like, because I think this could be a cool story to tell if it was done 
I mean, I think this guy can do it too. I don't. I don't think it's necessarily the direction of the movie that was the issue. No. So much as like he was given, this is what you can do during COVID. This is what our what this is our budget for CG. Yeah. And now you tell the story, and he kind of I don't know. I think he got handcuffed by the paycheck uh, by the checks on this one, and that's like sad to see. Maybe I I think I think I agree with you in terms of direction. I think he's definitely capable enough. He also wrote this movie, and I think the writing is one of the worst things about it. Fair. I think so. it's very lazy. Most of the characters are very one dimensional, not characterized well. The comedy in particular is lazy because. They just say the F word all the time. Yeah. Just have a zombie attack somebody or something happen. The only way they could think to have a character react to it is just go, fuck. Yeah. And I noticed that last night when watching it. And I couldn't get it out of my mind. I actually looked up a count. Somebody did count. They say the F word 61 times. Okay. Yeah, there's more than, you know, one every other minute. Wow. So, all right. So then I, uh, there's only one time where I liked it. And it was when Claire breaks into Chris's house and he's like, who knows how to pick the kind of lock that I put on my door? Right. Like, it's kind of impressive, but what the fuck? <laughs> like, I loved that reaction. I thought that was great. Yep. I thought that was awesome. That was a fun moment. Yeah, like, you know, between their banter back and forth, and then, you know. All right, so we got sidetracked again. Um, okay. We're yeah, going to finish off the last, this is the last uh, act real quick. So, uh, you know, Wesker's on a side mission. They're in the mansion. They wind up killing bunch of bravo team guys because they got turned killing a bunch of umbrella scientists yeah the helicopter dude who's waiting for them doesn't hear the zombies from the other helicopter crash come up behind them they he bite him infected. he takes off to try and save himself and flies into the, the mansion, mansion which comes to point number three for cg which is shit yeah that's the that. second explosion yeah. not good as well i yeah. think they just reuse copy and paste of the first explosion yeah and then just put the you know I mean, the shot of them in the helicopter, I think, is my number three. This would be number four. But when they're actually looking... No, oh, you don't like that? Not... That the, the, uh, the shots inward, outward were fine. The shots mm -hmm. getting to the helicopter, like, what helicopter, you know, flies, like, a plane flat on, like... With, you know, yeah. like, they fly at an angle, the nose is dipped, and they kind of bounce a little bit. Right. You know, I don't know. It just looked... That, that felt like a stylistic choice. He was trying to get this, like, steady cam pan into the helicopter. Okay. And now we're See, coming in on the team. That's you know, fair. That's that, fair. I just... But if it was uh, <laughs> just shoddy CG, I wouldn't doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, if you, if you got cover for it, go for it, man. Because, like, I, I, I would say, like, if you've got an hour and 30 minutes to kill, like, throw this on. You mm -hmm. know? That was awful, and they crashed. So we have, you know, the stars team of Alpha are separated and looking through the mansion, each turning into their own sets of zombies, and Wesker, after Jill saves his life from the helicopter crash, because they're on the floor that the helicopter crashes into. Right. He's like, I gotta come clean to you, babe. I'm here to do this. And she's like, what? We gotta get Chris. We gotta get the other dude. We gotta get out of here. And he's like, no, I gotta go grab the G-Virus. Right, I he was paid pieces, to do this. Yeah. I want to get out of this small town life. Like, yeah. Right, and if, I'm if these umbrellas really bad and I'm helping these people expose that, I'm fine with it. Yeah, and like, you know, she's like, what the hell, you're going to leave us here to die? And right. Because like, he had never told them, yo, we only have until 6 a.m., my clock's ticking. Like, yeah. he never said that to anybody. So now he reveals it to her. Yeah, and so they go their separate ways. He goes go down the secret path to the basement of the of the mansion. She goes to find Chris, saves Chris's life. Right. Know, that In the coolest <laughs> scene of the movie, without yeah. a doubt, where Chris is just on his own fighting a horde of zombies in a dark room with no only, flashlights, only so. the light of his, uh, the muzzle flash of his Which gun going yeah. off. And that... 
that was the third moment. It was the the guy on fire in the police station. Yeah. Brian Irons driving away while Journey's blasting yep. his car and he's getting shot at. And then Chris just fighting off this horde of zombies. Like these three moments just make the movie for me. I tend, yeah, 100%. yeah. And that's where I, I say there was definitely something behind this. You know, some directorial intent that Johannes Roberts came in. So like, I have a vision for this movie. And it was those scenes and then just piling as many references as he possibly could <laughs> into the game. Yeah, I mean, I, I did <laughs> like movie. I did like that scene a lot with Chris. Um, yeah, it was really cool. So Jill and Chris need to get out. And we cut back to Wesker, who comes in on Dr. I can't remember this guy's name. I don't know why, Dr. Birkin. Birkin. Yeah. I'm going to write that down so I don't ask you for the 15th time. Who's Dr. there Birkin. with his family. He's like in the uh, umbrella lab dissecting a zombie. Yeah. Who's still alive. Who's with his family. Like with his daughter. Ooh, daughter and just wife. Chilling just there, chilling there. Like, oh they're God. horrified by what they're seeing. It's like, dude, just have him wait. Like, okay, wait in this room. I'm going to go in here for five minutes. I'll be right out. <laughs> yeah. You know, don't bring him in there with you. Yeah. So he's packing up uh, <laughs> uh, one of those, you know, Quint, you know, the silver cases, right? That hold those vials. They told W.S. Anderson used them. The attache. The attache case. Famous. Man. Famous. In Resident Evil. He's got six vials. I would assume three of the G virus, three of the antivirus. I would assume that's how they kind of always did it. And, yep. um, Wesker comes Wesker in. comes in. He's like, dude, I don't want to hurt you. I don't want to hurt your family. Just give me the G virus. He's like, I don't think so. That's my life's work. He goes to close the attache case where he has a gun hit and he pulls it, shoots Chris. Chris then just, I mean, not Chris, Wesker. In the shoulder, Wesker's like, "What the?" And just po 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 pops yeah, three times, on just unloads on him. Birkin looks to be done. He but, does. Uh, he's actually reaching for the vial. <laughs> yeah. So Birkin's like, "Oh, oh!" I think he asks his wife to grab it, right? Oh, oh that's the right. Vial, the vial. And she goes and grabs it. He just injects it into himself, and then he the dies. Virus. He dies, right? Yeah. Temporarily. His wife picks up the gun, gun pointed at Wesker. at Wesker, and he. Just blows her head off. Her. Blows yeah. her head off. Like tick tick. Yeah, no. headshot. Sundra Beam. Um, and or poor Annette Birkin. Just, just watching in. this. Like I uh, poor Annette. Yeah, just She's watching. An instrumental player in RE2. She's just watching. Picks up a gun and gets iced. Yeah. Pays the price for it. Yeah. Oh man. Uh, so now Wesker's gonna shoot the kid. Yeah, because the kid <laughs> picks up the gun. Right. It's like, wow, is this some family? Like, is there something wrong with the suicidal family? family, family yeah. like you haven't gotten the they must here, have like, had a suicide pact yeah or I mean, dad like, picked okay, up the gun if one of us gets shot by a mercenary we all got <laughs> to attempt to kill them or die trying <laughs> because it's like dad picked up the gun I think I'm gonna make Mom the same up the gun. with my future kids. Yeah, yeah. If a mercenary comes knocking on the door, don't stop picking up the gun. I think that's a pretty good family. I just, I can't believe. I'm like, yo, what? Like, you know, I know children are slow learners. But damn, you just watch both your parents get destroyed, and you're like, nope, my turn. Right. So at this point, he's like, come on, kid, please don't, please don't, and you hear a pop, and you think, uh oh. But it's Jill, Jill Tato Chip, yep, here to shot, save the day. Shot Wesker right shot in the back. Shot Wesker in the back. He's like, oh, thank you. You saved me. Because yeah. I was going to have to shoot her, and I'm so glad I didn't. And also, I fucked up, man. I fucked up bad. And he's like, they're bleeding out. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> he's like, oh, God. You guys have to get out of here to sleep 6 a.m. So yep, he tells them that there's a train underneath the facility that they can yep. take out to the other side of the mountain. Also in like, the first one, Resident Evil. The train. That is true, yeah. The liquor chases them on the train. Yeah. But um, also, while this was going on, Leon, Claire, Chief Irons leave the uh, police station because Iron tells them there's a, a path underneath the orphanage. So Claire's going back to the orphanage yep. where uh, they encounter a liquor who kills Irons. 
which uh, kind of came out of nowhere. Yeah, he, I, was just like, he was I just... guess he was... I felt like, especially when he got back to the police station and faced the dogs, and the dogs didn't get him, it's like, why is this guy still alive? Yeah. And I guess they just kept him alive so he could de- reveal the information. Yeah. There's a path underneath the orphanage. Yeah. But he gets murked by a liquor at the orphanage, which the CG on the liquor's fine. It's fine. It's fine. It's, it's not bad. Yeah. It's not great. But it does the job enough. I think, as you said, when it's, like, moving across the ceilings and you can see the different lights supposed to be shining on it as it goes one way to another. Yeah, it's just... Not good. But yeah, when it's fully lit, it looks fine. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. And I'm... it looks like this liquor kills Irons, gonna kill Claire and, and Leon, but an old friend... Of Claire's, yeah. ...comes to save Claire, Miss Lisa Trevor, to the rescue, just wrecks the liquor. Yeah, Absolutely she... snaps its jaw. <laughs> yeah, she... She has her hands in like a wooden stock, like right, a stockade, right, right. almost yeah. like a it's like, like a block. Like, yeah, brick, it's like a, basically. yeah, it's basically like wooden handcuffs. Mm. And she like gets up on the liquor's back and like pins it. She like liquor pins her against the wall, opens its mouth, and she shoves this block in its mouth and just. It was awesome. It was, that was like sick. I was like, oh, that's a sick move. Again, like could have been done better. Right, but you know, you get what you get at this point. I, I think at this point, we can't really cherry pick. Yeah. I, 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 it was done well. It was a sick move. Like, yeah, you know? I, I liked. Um, I just don't think Lisa tied in well to the story, but she, like, the costuming was great on her. I think the actress who played her really committed to it with a friend and all that stuff, yeah. and the grunts and whatnot. But um, yeah, she saves them from the liquor and ends up giving the key to the underground passageway. Yes, and yeah. so she now you know we know why. Dr. Birkin was hiding this girl from Claire in the beginning. Mm. Claire goes into the underground passage. Right, which hiding a passage behind a painting is very Resident Evil. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah, see, like, that stuff's cool. You know, Mm. like, that's whatever. I don't know. But, um, yeah, so then I don't actually remember what happens between the time when they open the door to the, the, when they, like, flick open the keyhole, put the key in. What happens while they're underneath the... They view the film about the Asher twins. Oh, that's Which is the right. most blatant uh, use of fan service. There are two characters that feature in a Resident Evil game that's not one or two. and have nothing to do with this story, but they put them in here just, I guess, to demonstrate that this is a, what Umbrella was, in fact, doing. They were experimenting on children from the orphanage like they wanted to do with Claire. But this was an ongoing thing. Yeah. All right, word. Okay, and yeah. that's why she got. She gets so upset. And she's like looking through all the ledger of the, like all the children. And right, their names like deceased, and she's like ripping out the page. And Leon's like, "All right, like get your shit together. We need to go." Yeah. So like, she gets Claire's character. Someone kind of really gets an arc in this movie because she gets some stuff with her past with Umbrella, and they keep slowly revealing throughout the movie what actually happened, and uh, she's mostly on it for revenge, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 revenge. I think that to save her brother, to, to, to try and rebuild that relationship, I think is because if if Chris weren't still in Raccoon City, I don't see her going back in this story. In this storyline, like there's no reason. Like she could believe that Raccoon. She'd be like, yeah, of course, Raccoon City's poisoning the water. Umbrella's poisoning the water. Raccoon City. But I don't see her hitching a ride with some pervert trucker to get there to like warn well, who's she gonna warn, you know. Right. <laughs> so I, I, I think it's like she's here not well for revenge, yeah, to stop the doctor from doing to anyone else what he did to what he did to her. Um, but also, I think it's primarily just like when we get Chris because Chris Chris drank the Kool Aid. Yeah. So I got fully get, invested. Yeah, fully invested. So I think some of the wool might have been pulled from over his eyes on this current mission. Uh, yeah, when I mean, when he had to blow away Bravo team. 
he had to kill like two or three of Bravo team himself before yeah. people realized. And then like his buddy upstairs was getting eaten a lot and couldn't get to him. Right. So like that was you know, yeah. I think he was like, oh okay, maybe my sister might have been onto something. And then they converge. They converge, right? Uh, Bergen wakes up the G virus that he injected yep. into himself upon dying, starts working, and he starts mutating. And I think this looks good. Yeah, personally. the first one, definitely. The first uh, form of his first virus. One, yeah. I saw some people complaining about it online, but I liked it. I loved the eye, uh, the eyes sprouting out of his shoulder and stuff. Yeah. And you can just see them keep popping out as he's walking around. That yeah. was really cool. Um, and then he gets... He's that one one moment where he gets to like chew the scenery, Neil McDonough. Yeah. I love that line where he's like... Chris, how could you be so stupid when your sister's so smart? <laughs> it's yeah, taunting him, being an absolute jerk. Yep. And then I think Claire blows him away with a shotgun. Yep, she yep. comes she in. Comes in, saves Chris, grabs Chris, Jill, and Leon follows, and they all get on the train. We think what's his face is dead, and lo and behold, nope, G-Virus isn't done with him yet. And no, he is further mutated. Further mutated. To the the abomination of CGI in this movie yeah. in the worst way. It's supposed to be this big giant monster and he does look monstrous, I guess I'll say that, but it's very unconvincing giant blob that attaches to the train that's supposed to be William Birkin. You know what I would compare it to, but it's not nearly as good. And this again blows my in mind, mm. bro. Um Stranger Things season three. Okay. When the mind flayer becomes real, it like crosses from the upside down into reality and it's got those four it's got four like legs and it's you know it's heads pointed that's like a comparison i could draw to it but lo and behold they did it better yeah <laughs> so like it's like on a netflix he, tv budget yeah i mean this is not what you would expect out of a feature film for resident evil back that's trying by to sony. tell that back that by sony that's trying to tell the story properly i mean adjusted for inflation how much money do you think resident evil has made sony over a billion definitely maybe around there probably. and they can't throw a couple extra pennies of that billion we're talking 10 million dollars that's like what a dollar of the billion or 10 bucks of that billion just throw that towards like production efforts like uh, they had to make this one on the cheap for whatever reason and you can't tell me it's covid you can't tell me it's covid no i don't think so i, I think uh there were some i know i believe james wan was attached to this movie and i feel like if he directed it he probably would have got a bigger budget but i also feel like he probably didn't end up directing it because he probably didn't get the budget he wanted see see you know? so, that's so he's like oh i'll just go to warner brothers who'll give me that budget yeah <laughs> And yeah, and James Wan, I don't, I don't know if it would have been as much for the fans if James Wan did it. I think James Wan would pull Paul W S Anderson and be like, "I'm putting my name on this franchise," <laughs> right? Because like, you know, yeah, that's the guy you got to call. Paul yeah, 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 yeah. Got to, got to bring him back for the reboot, please, Tom. Well, he had a producer credit on this film, but from what I've read, he wasn't really involved. It was more of a check. Probably. Yeah, it was more like in a contract that if they made any more Resident Evil movies, he had to be attached as a producer. That to me is ridiculous, but right. whatever. That we yeah. were talking about this last last yeah. night. Like, what was it? Oh, what did I say? I can do that. It's like it's incredible what it does. Like the movie production industry is like what it can do is amazing, but the way it does it, it's just yeah. so fucked up. <laughs> like, it's frustrating. And it's frustrating about how movies actually get made. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, but it is fascinating too. Yes, like, kind of the 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 duality of it. Yeah, but it's very very there are very few and far between movies that I want to like that I don't, and the only reason why I don't is because they didn't have enough money. Mm-hmm. or enough creativity yeah that's very rare for me like most times like oh this is just shite like this is garbage 
but it had a hundred million dollar budget. I'm like, I don't, you know, <laughs> or I, I go watch Malevolent on Netflix, which is where my girl Florence Pugh got her start and be like, wow, that was a good movie. And the budget on that was, I, don't, I probably, it was lucky if it got $15 million, probably oh, from right. Netflix. Like if we're to like, maybe, I don't even know if Netflix releases what it, what it, not usually. So I would, I would guess it was lucky if it got 15 and that was a good horror movie. Yeah. Like, and, you know, I guess the only thing I can say about movie making now is Florence Pugh got noticed and she's in a lot more movies, so I'm a lot happier. But, uh, you <laughs> know, there's some positives. There are some positives. You got to take it 571 days till Doom Part 2. The William Burke and Monster on the Train is one of the negatives, though. Yes. That's for sure. And I am convinced that this is a leftover CGI monster from Venom Let There Be Card. And it, like, they were just like, oh, this unfinished thing, you know, we don't have enough time to finish it, so we're not going to put it in the movie. And then it's just like, oh, we got this leftover from Venom. Should we finish it? No, it's fine. It is. Let's just put it in the movie. But uh, Leon has his one Leon kind of moment where he, of course, it's a trope in the Resident Evil games that the final boss is defeated via a rocket launcher, and he finds a rocket launcher and blows up William Birkin. Actually has a one-liner. Which is fantastic. And where'd you get that? Ah, found it in first class. class. It's like, there's my Leon. I finally had real Leon the entire movie. I know. Poorly written character. Where was this guy? It's it's unfortunate because there were a couple beats where I could, the guy who played him, Avon Yogia, never heard of him before. I actually like him. I do. I did too. If yeah. you have moments like that, I'd watch a movie with this guy I, playing Leon, definitely. Yeah, I liked him. As, I just thought that, again, when you said he wrote and directed this, um, he definitely, like... He should have he, hired a professional writer. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Because Leon's character is just so... He's dumb and goofy, and like I can understand. Oh, first day on the job, jitters, and you get hit with an apocalypse. Right. Okay, word. But you can't. You can be goofy or dumb, but you can't be both. You can't be both. both. You're Leon Kennedy. Yeah, if you're Leon Kennedy, like even not having played the first game, by the fourth game, you can be either like the guy on the first day on the job who's incompetent, but like grows into the guy who shoots the rocket launcher at the end. Ideally, that's how you handle it. Or you just have him be goofy but competent in what he's doing. Like the guy who could always be the one to pick up the rock launcher Thank and drop the one line. Saying what I wanted to say. Yeah. Exactly. Yes. And but he was neither and both at the same time. And I don't understand how it just it was If it you're was, a Leon fan watching this movie, you're gonna be really disappointed. Yes. I think yes, if you're a Claire fan watching this movie, you're gonna be pretty disappointed too. Um if you're a Wesker fan uh, whatever. Yeah, you're if you're a Jill fan, she's not really there. Right. And if you're a Chris fan, you're gonna get Chris. Yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get Chris. You're gonna get Chris. Chris oh. They did Chris well. Yeah. So they 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 make it out. They defeat Birkin Monster. They all make it out of the train. But Raccoon City, as promised, six a.m. gets blown up via nuke. And there's a great shot of a slow pan in and the uh, end of the, the tunnel for the train, the other side of the mountains. You see the smoke rising, and there's this text display of, I guess, the mission report for Umbrella going in. It's Raccoon City, remaining survivors, zero. And then you see the six of them like emerge out of the tunnel and yeah. cut to the end titles, Resident yeah. Evil. It's just nice. I like that. I love, yeah, I love that moment. Um, I wish if that moment was attached to a better film, that's a real, like, fist-pumping, you know... That's when you cheer, yeah. folks, by the right. way. Yeah, yeah. If this yeah. movie were good and they can walk, that's when you cheer. Right. Like, As it stands, like, the first time I saw it, I was like, F you. You know? Give yeah. me a better movie and then give me that moment. But, yeah. you know, the last time it was like, okay. It's okay. And, and then we get the post credit scene. 
Oh my gosh, uh, I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's a post-cred scene, ladies and gentlemen. Wesker wakes up Wesker in a bag. wakes up in a bag, a body bag. And I guess his eyes hurt, so Ada Wong comes in to give him some sunglasses. Yeah, and so she, he finally looks like Wesker, Wesker with yeah, the sunglasses. With the sunglasses. Obviously, um, Wesker. he had been exposed in some way, shape, or form to the G-Virus, and that's why he's still alive. I guess that's the so. only way I can explain that to you. Yeah. That he was on his way out and said, screw it, it's going to get nuked anyway, let me try it. And it happened to not mutate him the way it mutated other people. Although, um, in the games, he mutates. But that's only when yeah. you like, shoot him or whatever. I don't know. But yeah, apparently one of the side effects of his you know, newfound superpowers is like bright sunlight hurts his eyes. So right. he... Yeah, and we get those just ate along. So they definitely set up a sequel. They yeah. set one up, and probably no answers we're never going to get. Uh, I had to take a guess. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't think so. Movie was, getting a sequel, uh, and it's sad because I like. I, you know, I, despite everything, all the complaint about this movie and everything I said, I'd still watch the sequel if it came out. I definitely. would as well, and I would say like, if you have time to kill, and you're a fan of the series, you just want to chew some gum watch it but you know if you're looking for something like a real horror movie that's based on the story of resident evil no if you're looking for something with good effects no if you're looking for something with good writing no like right you know what i mean it's just i don't know there's only so many things you can do with a story that's pre-written but so for you this is just like you have 90 minutes to kill yeah this could occupy that space that's yeah. your recommendation yeah. it's definitely like a step up from on lieutenant it's like, oh, gouge your eyes out with a melon baller before you watch that movie. Ottoman this is the baseline. Yes, we, like, that's yeah. the lowest. We hit, right. I think, we, I think we might have hit our lowest low for, for the foreseeable future, at least. Right. Based on what, what's coming up in the pipeline for us, we've already hit rock bottom. It's only <laughs> it's only up from here. So, yeah. so I mean, this one Sky's is, yeah, I mean, I don't know. If you're a diehard Resident Evil fan, it might offend you, to be honest. Like, mm. like, like the Star Wars uh, sequel trilogy was offensive to me. Who knows? And, you know, oh, yeah. I don't... I, don't, I, I, I guess that's where I'm coming from. Because I kind of feel like there's this spectrum of Resident Evil movies where on one side you have the Paul W. S. Anderson films, like only Resident Evil and name only. Yes. Where, and this movie's kind of like Resident Evil to a fault, where it doesn't really have its own identity outside of the direct references to Resident Evil. And I found that to be disappointing. I think that's why those moments we brought up you know, the guy on fire, Chris fighting off the hordes of zombies, did stick out because they felt like something new in this world. Yeah. And it fit in very well with what was happening. But I feel like this movie was an overcorrection compared to the Anderson films. And I I desperately was want, hoping it would hit that sweet spot in the middle yeah. where it's, it's enough of what's familiar but something new. Yeah. Um, and I didn't get it. But I, I would recommend this. If you do like Resident Evil, if you're familiar with the games or the previous movies, you know, and you haven't seen this, it's probably worth checking out. But to anyone who hasn't seen the, watch, played the games, watched the movies, I don't think you're going to, like, get anything out of it. I don't think you're going to really enjoy That's this. That's a really good point. If you yeah. don't have any background in Resident Evil whatsoever... I, yeah, this isn't going to be what's going to sell you to immerse yourself in this yeah, world. Yeah, I would almost steer you clear of it and do other stuff first. I mean, that's that might be the first time I recommend a Paul W.S. Anderson movie to somebody over <laughs> something else. I'm, I'm not saying I hated them, but... I know. think if you take the six Paul W.S. Anderson movies and compare it to this one, take this movie... Welcome to Raccoon City over that. But I think you take the first, Resident Evil 2002, the first Paul W. Anderson, and you compare it to this one, I think it's a very close race, actually. I would agree. I think there are some things about the story that they definitely got clearer in the Paul W. S. Anderson, the first one. Right. Like, they're, like, they're, like 
and it's actually in a city. At least they shot it. At least the aerial That's shots true. are in the city. That's true. You yeah. know, and like, okay, the hive doesn't exist in the games. But there's labs under the mansion. But there's labs under the, the mansion. Kind of it's the same principle, except the only thing he did was he took the leak from the lab, and instead of having it come from underneath the mansion and have the Ashford mansion be a thing, it's underneath the Umbrella Corporation headquarters in Raccoon City, and someone goes in and purposely infects the air with with they break a T virus viral on the way out, which causes the Red Queen a lot That's of damage. Right. Yeah. So they yeah, they toss it as they get in the yeah. elevator. Right. Yep. So, which I'm pretty sure was supposed to be Wesker. I think that was supposed to be Wesker. That was... I thought that was, yeah. like, her fake husband. Well, at his fake husband. Yeah, yeah, that's right, that's right, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, her fake husband, who actually loved her. Like, they act... That was weird. That, that's See, a that whole was, different that's, 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 Yeah, let's not open that. you know what? I think we got there. We could tackle Resident Evil. Welcome to Raccoon City. So, I mean, thank you for joining us. Yes, thanks again. Sorry about the ramblings there. Yeah, thanks for sticking with us through this hiatus. We'll be back a lot sooner talking about the 1990 classic Exorcist 3, directed by, written directed by William Peter Blatty and starring uh, George C. Scott. Uh, to, to note, the novel was also written by Blatty. So That's true. He, it's a triple threat. It's a triple threat here, and it pays dividends, folks. Definitely. But uh, until next time, you can find us on all good podcast apps, and uh, we'll see you next time. Look at you, Apple. <laughs>